Welcome back, episode 17. Welcome to Terrified and Twisted. I'm Carla. I'm Phil. Hope you're all all right. Sorry we're a week late. We are, we've had a bit of a busy one, haven't we? Yeah. Changing jobs. Yeah, Carla's been on, she's been working a real lot, so it's hard because Carla does all editing. (laughs) (laughs) I do all bits and bobs. Um, And when we're just changing jobs and stuff, we needed to get settled in first, didn't we? But we're here. We haven't left you. Nope. And... Fuck me, it's hot. Fucking too hot. <laughs> it's all right for everybody else. I've read that much on Facebook this week. Americans comp- telling us to stop complaining. We do not have aircon. <laughs> we do not have a pool in our back garden. <laughs> Fuck me, it's too hot. Everyone stay safe in water in these conditions. Yeah, we've had quite a few drownings, haven't we? Yeah. Of young young children as well, which is really, really sad. One really local to us, so as that goes out to his family. Definitely. Scary. Since last episode, uh, England got knocked out in final. Don't. Football didn't come home. It did. It was close. <laughs> and do you know what? Regardless, we proper enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah. So. Also, we've watched... Um, Gone in the Dark, it were an extra episode uh, where he got his sentence in. And we actually got to see a bit more about Joseph D'Angelo. Wow. What a piece of shit. Can you remember when we watched the first one and they wheeled him into the courthouse and he looked like this really old, frail man? Yeah. And then he's fucking doing squats and fucking... Star jumps in his cell. Cartwheels in his fucking cell. Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> That's it's definitely worth a watch. I mentioned it to one of the girls on the school run, um, yeah. who'd followed the first episode. So that's definitely one to watch. We've um, been watching as darts, aren't we? Darts are back this yeah, week. We've been watching World Match Play darts. Uh, we only really got into darts in the last two years. I think it was when lockdown first started. I think, yeah, first lockdown. It gave us something to watch. I never realised how intense it could be. No, but we're enjoying that. Yep. And we've got a few documentaries and that saved on sky plus planner so yeah when when we've got darts it usually it's gone 11 o'clock in it before it's finished so we don't you we don't get to watch many of us um normal programs so we have to binge watch to catch up anything else to report no kids break up tomorrow (laughs) for six weeks um so we've been out for a lovely dinner date today haven't we veranando's um it's going to be the last one for a while, seeing as though we're going to have all three children at some point or another. Carla's telling me off. Because you're rubbing your feet against the bed. So what? You don't do editing. <laughs> I can hear it. So anyway, are you um, up first? Yeah. This week? On that note, I'll start mine. Mine today, my case, is about a piece of shit called Richard. They're always a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> called Richard Huckle. Is dubbed as Britain's worst paedophile. This is going to be fun. He was born May 14th, 1986. 
Jack's parents, Edwin and Christine, it were very much a middle class home. They're from Ashford, Kent, which is down south. Yeah. Me and Calla are very much northerners. Um, he had one older brother, it were a Christian family, attended church on Sundays. And Richard was quite a popular kid in primary school. And the thought he were destined for success. After primary school, Richard went to the Harvey Grammar School, and it was an all-boys school, and he got bullied quite a bit in this all-boys school. Right. He used to make fun of his parents, said that he used to like a rat, just been... Dickheads. Dickheads. In his early life, he'd alleged he'd done a few petty crimes, one of which included counterfeit Pokemon cards. Fucking hell. <laughs> and that's actually a criminal record? <sighs> I don't know if he had a criminal record, but um, he went on to South Kent College, completed his exams, GCSEs, and he took a course in IT and photography. At this time, he had a part-time job in Sainsbury's supermarket. They described him, his colleagues, as quiet, reserved, <clears throat> bit of a loner, completely detached from people, liked yeah. his own company. When he was 16 years old, he took a one-month trip to a school in Nambia, Southern Africa, and he enjoyed it. Right. So his 70th birthday comes and he gets a digital camera for his birthday, and he's ignited with passion for his photography. Although it alleges that the photos that he took were more of kids than the were adults. At well, this, at this sense, time, actually. he was asked to be church photographer, which include baptisms and other events. In 2005... He had a gap year and he enrolled in a gap challenge programme which helps communities abroad with charity and helping them in the village and stuff like that. Yeah. So early 2006, <clears throat> he travelled to Malaysia and started working in these schools. He would post frequent updates on his social medias, uh, pictures of him with children, experiences that he'd been out on a day trip with children, yeah. his thoughts, whatever. He were learning Tamil, which is Indian language. And he decided he wanted to teach English there. And he enrolled in a short teaching course. So he passed his course and he had a certificate he were qualified. But instead of adults, he worked with children. Of course he did. He worked in the poor communities. In the poor communities, the parents were welcoming to Richard Huckle because he was a Christian teacher. Yeah. It was someone to be respected and trusted. He'd take the children for ice cream, take them to church, take the children to tutor one-on-one. Completely unsupervised access. Yeah. He had uh, a lot of unsupervised access with two young sisters in Cambodia, and they were four and six years old. The next eight years, Richard just filled his boots targeted and abused a lot of children, any gender, any age, it alleges from babies in nappies oh. all the way up to preteens. Richard's youngest victim was six months old. So is this volunteer, uh, volunteer Christian teacher in mm. poor villages. Uh, a few years later, in Malaysia's capital, he was studying IT, Still, anyway, making money from being a freelance photographer, advertising on Facebook, kids' birthday parties, and stuff like that. Uh, like I said, he took young children to church with him, no parents, and a pastor actually pulled him up on it 
because he didn't like it and Richard didn't come back for a few months. Right. Said that he had parents, um, permission, stuff like that. The pastor wasn't clear where he'd met these children from, but it were obvious they were from poor communities. Now, he had a very active online life, as you can imagine, for all these fuckers. He literally was just hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Um, just getting away. There's, there's one that's really weird, and it's a picture of two children. It's completely blurred out, so you can't see anything. And Richard Huckle's comment was, I did wonder about his private parts until I read the caption, though I personally feel there is little offence in natural nudity. Still nice photo though, cute, smiley, happy children. <clears throat> and uh, it was an active member of a large network of paedophiles on that web called The Love Zone. No, I don't know much about that. Well, I don't know fuck all about that web. We've had this conversation before, though. It's something that we both know once we start, start and we go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And that's one rabbit hole that I don't want to fucking go down. Yeah. At all. And obviously, it was quite active on this uh, love zone. So I'm going to read one of posts for you. Oh. Soon came blank fifth birthday. And I was allowed to take her out with alone with me to celebrate with her. This was my first time properly alone with Blank. So before her day out, she came to my place. She wasn't fond of being touched, but I eventually got her undressed and had to take, and had her take one for the team. Our first proper naked sexual play together with plenty of Blank as well as mine. You can probably tell from her expression that she wasn't most pleased. But that's a small price to pay when no one else is interested in celebrating your birthday. What an absolute piece of fuck. Wow. Richard posted many descriptions of his abuse to these children, photos and videos of raping these young children. Um, he'd abused some victims for years. One girl from the age of five all the way to uh, being 12 years old. And he's quoted as saying, it's quite amazing to have stuck with the same child lover for so many years. And I hope from the images you have seen and enjoyed watching her grow. Another one, hit the jackpot, a three-year-old girl as loyal to me as my dog. Also, Mr. Richard Huckle had wrote a 60-page manual on how to be a paedophile called Paedophiles and Poverty Child Lover Guide. I'm actually genuinely lost for words. It had step-by-step -step instructions. Where to find and groom underage children in Asia. Richard wanted to earn money from being a paedophile. He signed up for a crowdfunding website, Pedo Funding. And it closed down in 2014. But this was his best place for him and these other sick bastards to sell their content. Now back to Love Zone. Anyone inactive for a certain amount of time on the love zone was removed. Okay. So you required to post a minimum amount of content. I dread to think what this minimum amount is. Richard Huckle developed his own scoring system for being a paedophile called Pedo Points. Oh. And there were obviously sex acts ranked from 1 to 15 points. 
and he gloated that him himself in one year had accumulated 1,305 points. <sighs> he wanted to be a foster parent. Fucking course he did. He wanted to marry a young girl in Asia, get her pregnant and do... The same to yeah. his child, of course. And still nobody suspected a young Christian teacher with his instant access. Um, and he used to get all over being a freelance photographer. I can imagine. This is one of the emails that he emailed an orphanage. Greetings, Pastor George. My name is Richard Huckle. I'm originally from UK, but I'm studying an IT degree in Malaysia. From July 19th to August 6th, I will be in India, flying to Chennai with planned stops in Bangalore and Hubli, if they're pronounced correctly. <laughs> I found your new Hope for Children orphanage on Facebook and was very interested. I previously visited India in January, visiting Chennai and Hubli only. In Hubli, I met a pastor there that's also starting to try and start an orphanage. I made a short documentary for him, which I have uploaded to my YouTube account. I'm very much interested in visiting your orphanage in Bangalore and Amber, especially in Amber, as I am able to speak basic Tamil. It would be a great experience for me to visit your orphanages, meet and help the children, and would be more than happy to use my photography and video editing skills to help make some promotional material for your ministry. As I said, I'll be in India from July 19th to August 6th, though I am currently uncertain of what exact dates I'll be able to come. Thanks for your time, God bless your ministry, and I look forward to hearing back from you, kind regards. So, anywhere that he could go, by the looks of it, it just, it would he go. used it to his advantage, didn't he? Massively, massively used every aspect of his life yeah. for his gain. Now, a few co-teachers... I think they used. I think they said they used to live together. Um, not important. Uh, they were quoted as saying that he gave him the creeps. He were always dishevelled, quiet, anxious around kids, and always had his camera. And he moved to a church from the schools after a few complaints, and he was made Sunday school teacher at the church. And allegedly, there were reports from the parents saying that Richard was smacking the kids, being violent towards the kids. Mm -hmm. But still, he remained in this programme. Yeah. Yeah. In 2014, a special branch, um, Australia Queensland Police, had it been investigating paedophile rings on the dark web. Task Force Argos. Um, they spent 10 months searching this love zone. Uh, trying to find the founding member of Love Zone. And they found a profile, a profile using a unique greeting known by the founding member. There was no information to ID this suspect behind the profile, but an officer found a license plate on a photo, uh, a photo and it led to someone called Shannon McCauley in South Australia. The police got a warrant to search his home, and as they searched his home, Shannon McCauley was caught logged in to the love zone right. um the police actually actually matched a freckle on shannon mccauley's finger from a video of a man abusing a child 
They found out that Shannon McCauley, he was the founder, he was the admin of Love Zone, and the police had full access to the website now, which is good. Of course it is. The result of this is uh, they've saved 85 children and arrested hundreds of paedophiles. And they had interest in a sickening, prolific user, which is obviously Richard Huckle. Um, they ended up IDing him. Uh, they were monitoring his Facebook and Richard Huckle put a Facebook post that he was returning home that Christmas. So the Argos Task Force from Australia told the British Crime Agency on December 19th, 2014, Richard Huckle was arrested at Gatwick Airport. He was interviewed, his home devices, his phone, his laptop were all searched. And what they could access then, they had evidence of 29 victims and 20,253 sick photos. One of which was 249 separate pictures of an incident with Richard Huckle raping a young girl with a bottle. Oh. <sighs> I keep having to have big breaths because... I'm, I'm honestly... Dis- like beyond disgusted I'm speechless he refused to help the police with his encrypted hard drives refused to answer questions refused uh, to take responsibility for his fucking actions so at this time he, did, he didn't have no criminal record and he currently was not working with kids so they had to release him on bail to his parents custody but get this the next day his mother asks him about all this yeah now rewind, these are Christian people. Mm-hmm. And he admitted to his mother that he had had sex with children between the ages of three up to 13 years old. Immediately they phoned the police and they said, please get him out of our house. We don't, we don't fucking we don't want, want him. him. The parents sold the home and disappeared for a few months. His sister-in-law were quoted as saying, none of his family will speak about him. None of us want to see Richard again. In January 2015, he was arrested again and denied bail. He was charged with 91 counts of child abuse, rape of a child, digital penetration, creation and possession of child porn under 12, and they describe his manual as truly, truly evil. Um, Fucking sick, isn't it? He was transferred to HMR. HMP Belmarsh in the category A prison. In January 2016, these 91 charges took over an hour to read and Richard Huckle pleaded not guilty. Of course. The next hearing was in April 2016. Richard requested to see evidence against him and he pled guilty to 71 charges. 14 counts of rape of a child under 12, 5 counts of digital penetration under 12, 31 counts of sexual assault under 12, 6 counts of grooming a child, 13 counts of making indecent images related to the 20,000 pictures on the laptop, 1 count of advertising indecent images of children, 1 count of arranging facilitating child sex offences. They think that Richard O'Call has over 200 victims. I believe so. Um, there was an extra 20 charges that lie on file, but they were not charged at this time. Uh, both his parents did wit- witness statements for the prosecution. 
and he was sentenced on June 6th to life in prison. He actually had 22 life sentences. His minimum of term, 25 years before parole. So he's eligible for all in 25 years. He should never walk the streets again. In prison, he had a sexual relationship with a man called Stephen Port, which apparently is the grinder killer who murdered four men and raped multiple men. Richard Uckle was then moved to Fulcerton Prison in October 13th, 2019. Richard Huckle was tortured and murdered in his cell for over an hour. Good. By Paul Fitzgerald, 29 years old. He tattered up and gagged Richard, used an electrical cable to strangle him, stabbed him 22 times, he raped him with a kitchen utensil, broke his jaw, and also Paul Fitzgerald shoved a pen with a razor blade into his nostrils, into his brain. Paul Fitzgerald claimed it was poetic justice and he was charged with murder in January 2020. And I bet Paul does not give a fuck. I bet he don't. Well done. I actually thought that you were it were going to end in... He's just in prison. So Are you I'm, glad it I'm ended so up? fucking glad he's dead. There's not many times I'm quiet for that long. I know you are quiet because, pretty much all the way through. Because it's at, it's disgusted me. Yeah. That's why I kept having to have big breaths because I was like, this is so much, it's so much. He literally just used everything in his power just to fucking get everything he wanted. Sick as fuck. And guess what? There's a fucking lot more out there. That's what. That's, that's what's the scary. worrying thing, yeah. It's the scary thing. Wow. So. Is yours a bit more cheerful? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> In my case this time, I was a bit surprised because I came across an article about a woman called Cara Robinson. And Cara was telling her story about how she escaped serial killer when mm-hmm. she was 15. So, obviously, I was like, oh, I'll have a look into this. I thought that it was going to be... I just didn't think it was going to be what it was, right? So, there's many that believe that there could be many more victims, but I'll just tell you about, obviously, the known ones. So, the very first... Oh, by the way, he was named the Silent Predator, right? So, his very first victim was 16-year-old Sophia Silver. Um, typical teenager, she went to Cortland High School. She lived in um, Spotsylvania in Virginia. Then on the 9th of September, 1996, uh, she got home from school. She checked in with her sister that were already in house. She said she was going to grab a drink and she was going to go sit and do her homework on front porch. It was a really nice day. Loads of people were about, neighbours doing gardening, kids playing out. A bit like today. Yeah. So off she went to sit and do her own work. Not long after she'd been out there, she just vanished. Completely went. There's usually some sort of details when we look into these where people disappear. But honestly, there was nothing. There were nothing that could go off. Vanish. Yeah. So no one that knew Sophia, nobody nobody said she would run away. 
she were a really good kid good friends she were doing really well in school so it wouldn't be in a nature i guess to run away her family start ringing around her friends um, nobody's heard or seen of it from her so they decided to ring police when they arrived in their report it was stated that it was like time had stood still a can of pop her own work notepad were open school bag were left perfect no signs of any struggle whatsoever no blood no hair, no no nothing nothing so the police had absolutely zero to go off and after weeks and weeks of no leads um 14th of october there's a small river close by and it kept having problems it was flooding so they sent some um workers out told them to clean it up remove any blockages and then they saw what they thought was a blockage of rubbish and it ended up being is it tarp tarpaulin yeah now the thought like i said it was just rubbish but they realized that actually it were a body so everybody kind of knew straight away who it were going to be and the police pretty much confirmed it that it it was well it were obviously big news wasn't it yeah um so obviously that then changed the case to a murder investigation so her body had been wrapped in tarp um a few blankets and it were tied with like a tweed rope by the autopsy it were clear that she'd been there for weeks and it were estimated that she were more than likely killed after two days of being taken right um and they also confirmed that she had been dressed after she were dead so that's pretty much all i can find that that is strange for them to redress the person and then not make a spectacle about it yeah you know like put him in a certain position or something that's sick like that for him to redress him and then throw him in the river in tap that's strange that yeah i thought that so everybody were in in shock it was really a, a really nice quiet well-to-do area yeah. so it completely shocked everybody they couldn't understand how this this 16 year old girl were taken in broad daylight nobody had heard nothing nobody had heard a sister were in house there were kids and adults on street and absolutely nobody had seen anything so they managed to grab some fibers that were left that, that were salvageable after all this time in water um and obviously they sent them away for testing while they were being tested they carried on questioning everybody in the area and eventually this same name kept popping up and everybody kept naming this guy called carl the sort of said he had a really shit reputation it was quite horrible and creepy he'd stare at girls he'd drive really really slowly past them or behind them and he just kind of give off that vibe there'd also been reports that they had been seen speaking outside her house two days before right. she was taken so she knew him yeah so the police obviously wanted to to go and question him now when they got there straight away they saw these blankets and they saw the rope they literally thought that it jackpot yeah this one who were responsible um but we need they needed evidence so they sent off 
the rope to be analysed and Carl had an outstanding charge on him for shoplifting. So they decided to keep him held on the shoplifting charge, yeah. buy themselves some time and get a case together. Now, the fibres did come back as matching. So that were it. We need to go charge this Carl. But just before they charged him, when he was sat in prison on his ship shoplifting charge, two more girls, 15-year-old Kristen and 12-year-old Katie Lisk, were then taken from their home. Sisters. Sisters. In a very same, a very similar way in which Sophia were taken. So this motherfucker has got the balls not only to take one kid, oh, no, but he'd... two kids in broad daylight. Yep. So, it was the 1st of May, 1997. The girls had finished school, got off the bus around three o'clock, and they walked home together. When they got home, Kristen went and got changed out of a uniform, and they decided that they were going to start filling pool up, they were going to hang out in garden. It was a nice day. Normally, when they got in from school, they would ring the dad at work, just to say, the safe, the home, what have you. They didn't do that, and apparently it was that much of a routine that it was only they were only twenty minutes late for ringing. Yeah. So the dad rang them after, um, after twenty minutes. After twenty minutes, because he knew it, it was so out of character. Yeah. They didn't answer, so he decided he was going to leave work, nip home, and check. When he got there, he said his dad. The dad literally said, "Me heart sank. I knew that something was wrong." This other girl's case were massive. So everybody was sort of on edge. He's gone home. His daughters weren't there. Um, basically, everything was perfect. The school bags were there. The front door were open. Um, and the water, the hose pipe was still running, but the pool were overflowing. Yeah. So he knew that something were going wrong. So he panicked and straight ranked place. Um, he then started checking local area, asking neighbours if anybody had seen, but... When the police got there, they said that they just couldn't believe how similar it was. Um, they obviously thought this Carl was the killer. Yeah. He sat in prison about to be charged, but they kind of knew that it can't have been Carl. But they don't, they don't know if it's linked yet, though, do they? Sure no, not, not straight away. But I think because things was that similar... And maybe very rare in that area. Yeah. Or it was, like, ridiculously low yeah. crime rate. It was, it was a really nice area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that weekend, um, over fifteen hundred people pulled together, tried helping search for girls. Wow, that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Um, a few people did report seeing a white van in the area that day that the girls were taken. Um, so please did put a, an appeal out for any in, for any information. But um, it's white van. A white van. That's it. Yeah. So five days later. Unfortunately, both girls ended up in the same way as Sophia did. Um, this time, road workers were working on a bridge and the bridge went over the South Inner River. It crossed over the Bording County to Spotsylvania. Right. They were working on it. They actually saw fought, they saw two mannequins, but it won. It, it were the girls' bodies. So were they... Wrapped and redressed. Yep, yep. same. Tap, polling. Right, and redressed. Redressed, ropes. 
So they obviously straight away connect the cases together, which then meant that Cal weren't responsible, so he had to be let off. Well, he'd been shoplifting, so... Yeah, but he'd already been sat in jail nearly a year at this point. All right. You know, he'd been charged on that. Well, it depends what he nicked. Because we saw a programme where that woman nicked a chicken fucking Kiev. <laughs> fucking... Didn't she? She genuinely <laughs> did. And they actually charged her, didn't they? Fucking nicking a chicken Kiev out of someone's room. Fucking hell. And she didn't eat it. Neither she was fuming, was she? <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so, this is when the police named him the silent predator because for five years they basically tried to work their ass off to solve this case. Yeah. Um, there were nothing, no leads, no witnesses, no DNA, just nothing. Three bodies. Yeah, three bodies. Now, that was until then Cara Robinson came along and obviously this is the girl, she's now a lady, that I originally stumbled across. Right. So, Cara was 15, and she was from Lexington, South Carolina. And on 22nd of June 2002, she were at a friend's house. They'd made plans. They were going to Lake for that day. They were going to meet all their other friends there. But before they were setting off, ever a friend, said, I need to ring my mum, find out if there's any job she wants me to do before I leave for that day. Um, and mum just said, can you water flowers outside, out front? Cara offered to go do that so Eva could jump in the shower and get ready. Now, Eva got out of the shower, she went to find Cara, but again, gone. Not there. Hose pipe with water running, laid in the middle of garden. You could just picture it, couldn't you? You could just picture coming outside to your friend, your relative, and the tap running... And just it'd be that instant just nothingness yeah I think it'd be that instant something's wrong here mm. so um, Ever rang her mum she explained what had happened so they decided they were going to ring police and again just like other three girls the police had absolutely fuck all to go off nothing no, literally no crime scene they didn't know if she'd taken herself off. No has she been No, has she been abducted? Has she willingly gone with somebody? Nobody fucking knew. Um, now, this time, there was one witness that said that he saw Cara talking to a man that had pulled up on driveway. He said that Cara must have known him because she got in the car willingly. Right. Right? But everybody that knew her knew that she wouldn't do that with a strange man. So they were, must be somebody she knows, yep. sort of thing. It is actually said as well that the police doubted credibility of this witness. They didn't take it seriously or anything. The, you've got to because... When you've got fuck all else. How else do you take a child without causing any ruckus, any noise? It's got to be on their own free will. Free will. Yeah, right. So, they had absolutely no leads apart from this witness statement, which they didn't take seriously. Now, they were worried that Cara were going to be found dead. 18 hours after she was reported missing, Cara went running into the police station barefoot and cuffs still on one arm, claiming that she would have, were abducted by a man and she can tell him exactly where to find him and that somebody needs to go stop him. So, this is Cara's version. Yeah. 
She was outside watering the flowers. She noticed this car um, driving past. She says she remembers looking at it because it were a very nice car and it stood out. Right. It turned around and came back past her. So she just thought they were lost, trying to find somebody. Um, but then this car did pull onto driveway and a man got out. He was a very smart dressed man. He had a buttoned up shirt, very clean shaved. Nothing about him made her feel scared or worried. She said he always made sure when talking to her, he kept his distance so she didn't feel threatened. Was he posing as a policeman? No, no. actually. I thought that was going to be um, where this went to, but yeah. no. This man, the next car, Cara, if her parents were at home, she obviously explained that she didn't live here, this were a friend's house. So he asked if they were home, um, basically telling her that he had some magazines that he was trying to hand out around area and he was trying to leave them with people to pass them on. Um, Cara said, no, they're not in, it's just her and a friend. So he asked if he could leave some of the magazines. She said yes, so obviously he walked towards her to under these magazines. Um, but as he did that, he then pulled a gun on her and held it to her side. And he basically told her that she was going to walk to the car with him. If she screamed, if she called for help, he'd shoot her there and then. Yeah, she was scared for her life. Yeah, so she did and she walked towards the car. So that witness were right. You know, it did look like she'd willingly got in this car. Little did they know she had a gun held to her. Now, in the back seat, he had this big container with a lid on. And he said to her that you need to get inside there. Like a little coffin. Yeah, get inside there. The, I, think the, I think they're called rubber maids. So she can't see anything. Mm. And it is literally like just a big rubber box with a clippy on lid. Um... So he told her to get in, again, threatened to shoot her if she tried to get anybody's attention. Um, he then got in the car and he drove off. She said they were driving for about 10 minutes before he then stopped. He got out of the car, got her out of the box. He told her he was going to tie her up. So he placed handcuffs on her. He tied her legs together and then he gagged her. Now, when doing this, he was stood at the side of a fucking road. To me... In broad daylight? In broad daylight. Right. This guy has done this far too many times and is far too confident that he sort of is not trying to even hide it anymore. No, he, he can't. He can't wait to get to a... Yeah. A rural, hidden away location. Yep. He did this on, on a road. Um, once he tied her up, he told her to get back in and in container, put the lid on her, and then he carried on driving. Then he stopped again. But this time, he didn't take her out. He lifted the container out of the back of his car and he dragged it across what she assumed were a car park on concrete. Um she knew that they were in a bit of a busy place because she could hear all traffic and people talking. Um, like I said, he dragged her across this concrete and then he lifted her through a door. When he opened lid, she was inside his apartment. Right. He took everything, he took the restraints off her, took the gag off her. And Cara said she just remembers how calm he was. 
the entire time. Like, he weren't worried that she were going to try and run or scream. He wasn't worried about people outside. Side. No, no. Um, he just was so fucking calm. She decided that she was not going to let this man kill her and she needed to escape. So she started observing, taking his weaknesses in, just out that she could sort of play to her advantage. We've seen it before, haven't we? Yeah. We've seen many people that have done it. Um, he made her sit down with his pen and paper and he'd ask her questions and he'd, and she'd write the answers. But there were really random... Like, has she had boyfriends? What kind of house does she live in? Has she got siblings? Are her mum and dad together? Um, what time does she get off the bus? It was like a fact file. Of her. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, at that point, Cara said that she realised he'd done this before because it were really comfortable, like it was just second nature, and this wasn't just a random grab, it like an opportunity. Yeah. It, it done it before. Um, so she sort of thought to herself, I'm, I need to be compliant. I need to not get him angry, and I need to let him basically do what... Play he, the game. The long game. Um... He took her to a bed to his bedroom. He just abused her for hours on end, raping her. Just well, awful. Well, the other children raped and abused. Yes, but they had no DNA profile. Nope. Right. So yeah, she were abused for hours on end, um, and then he got ready for bed. He handcuffed her to the top of the bed and tied one leg to the bottom of the bed. Literally rolled over and went to sleep like nothing had happened she said that she must have fell asleep for a little bit but she woke up and he was still fast on so she kind of thought i need to try and get out of this and she doesn't know how she doesn't know how she found the strength to do it but she got around through that fucking handcuff and she managed to untie her leg slide out at bed and she remembers going to the front door and he barricaded the door so he'd barricaded it with the container filled with shite. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoover were there. Just She just knew that she had to try and move all that. Without making a noise. Without making a single noise. Yeah. And then it was a double door. So you know like in most America where they've got the... Top lock. Top, yeah. yeah. Um, and she kind of knew that she had to be fucking quick mm-hmm. to open both them at the same time to fucking run. But she did it. And... In nothing but a T-shirt that she'd grabbed off floor. What's scary, right, thinking about that is, how long must that have took? I dread to think. And all that time... How long did she take to move all the boxes and stuff like that, being as quiet as possible, knowing that this is a opportunity to get away from this man or he's going to kill her? There would be no other opportunity. Wow. She basically fucking ran. And she ran out to the first people that she saw, um, which were two gentlemen in a car. She basically jumped in front of this car, screaming for help. Um, Obviously, they they didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. This girl stood there in just a T-shirt and cuffs, barefoot. She, She sort of explained, but she said, I need you to take me to the police station. But before you do, I need you to remember that apartment. Do not forget it. 
So that's what they did. They took her and dropped her off at the police station. It is actually said, and Cara, there's plenty of... I tell you what, I came across this on TikTok. So she's available anywhere. You can hear her story. Um, It's all over. The police did not believe her at all. She's kind of, in one interview, she's saying, you know, I'm stood there half naked, barefoot, I've got handcuffs hanging from my... I believe her with the, the previous victims yeah. as well? Oh, yeah, but don't forget, this is in a different place. All right, OK. This is in a different place. Right, well, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she said she remembers just screaming at him, saying, I'm stood here with handcuffs, I've got marks all over me. What more do you fucking want? Um, so obviously, they, they had to take her seriously and so the fucking should have done. They actually said to Cara before even taking her to an hospital, we want to drive you back to this apartment complex. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what they did. They rang Cara's mum, explained that they'd found her and that she was with them, but they had to go investigate what she obviously were, were telling them. So they get to this apartment complex and Cara, she can't remember which apartment it is. She's telling them she can't remember what apartment exactly it was. Right. She was saying, you know, ask the guys that dropped well, me off. Well, she's been through fucking trauma. Yeah. But she then spotted the car and she said that that's the car that I was abducted in. Yeah. So the police start asking about and to find out if anybody can identify who this car belongs to and what apartment is at. What I'm going to say about this man is absolutely fucking nobody expected this man to be responsible. Absolute zero, no background history. He was a family man. He was married. Hidden in plain sight. Again, yeah. Um... And this man were called Richard Mark Ivonitz. Right. When they got to the apartment, um, it was pretty clear that Richard had left in a hurry. So the police put out a tracker on his phone. Um, they actually started calling, like pulling any people up on system, friends and family, to see if they had any information. When they got in touch with his wife, she actually last saw him when he dropped her and his mum off at the airport for a trip to Disneyland. He said that he couldn't go because he had to work, but he dropped him off at airport and that's the last time right, she saw so him. so he had a, a wife while they were doing all this as well? Yes, Yeah. correct. Now, they went and checked at Richard's work and, lo and behold, he'd put holidays in. So the very same day that he dropped his wife off, well, the day that he took Cara, his family were in complete shock. Like I said, no one suspected him at all. He weren't even known as a bit of a creep or... Do you know what I mean? He... Just nobody expected it from him. Um, so, few of his family agreed to answer questions. And about two hours after the first discovery had gone, they get a ping with a location um, from his phone. And he's about 30 minutes away in a motel. Obviously, they dispatch some officers straight away. But when they get there, it's gone. So, again, they're on a bit of a goose chase. Mm-hmm. Still can't find him. So, they're trying to get a new location while they decide to go search his apartment and gather any evidence. In his apartment, in the corner of his room, was a tall locker. This locker had basically been covered by clothes and things. It had a really big padlock on it. When they broke it open, the police actually reported 
that they soon realised how dangerous Richard was. Inside was his very nice buttoned-up shirt, folded nice and neatly, um, his nice trousers. So basically that was his suit that he would wear. That's when... his kill kit. Yeah. Also in here was lots and lots and lots of detailed notes on young girls that he had stalked over such a long time span. Um, Again, ages, names, time when they were alone, time they came home from school, any siblings they had, type of house they lived in, what he'd like to do with them when he abducted them, just awful stuff. Now, just to give you a bit of context of how many notes there were, this was in South Carolina, and the police thought that that is where it would end. But these notes were on girls from Virginia, Texas, Florida, and many, many more states. Mm -hmm. So we'd fucking been about. They also then found newspaper cuttings in said locker. Souvenirs. Yes. And it was the abduction and murder in Spotsylvania of Kristen and Katie. They soon realised that this is connected and that this is a serial killer and that they need to fucking catch him. So this is when the FBI, the state police, the the All crea- get together. Yep, and create this massive man on yeah. like they do. Need to get this fucker. Yeah. Now for a few days they actually didn't have a fucking clue. They had nothing. Um but then the police got a phone call from his sister and she basically told him that he were in Florida, he'd rang her, he'd confessed to his crimes, what he'd done to these girls and would she meet him in this restaurant? So the police work with her to set it up and they obviously get police sent to cover all area and whatever, but Richard soon realised it clocked. Yeah. And this then started a massive 100 mile an hour car chase of Richard. They shot his tyres and he carried on driving on his rims fucking dangerous amounts of length for time. Um until he eventually were cornered and stopped. So he pulls out his gun. He point blank refuses to get out at car, tells him he'd rather be dead. So they send in the K9 unit. At that point, Richard decides to point his gun in his mouth and shoot himself in the head. From everything I've read, the only word that was used were devastating. So many people, the families of the girls, absolutely devastated that there were just going to be so many always unanswered questions yeah no justice were ever going to be brought to this yeah this man i reckon if he didn't have a gun he'd have maybe done it so the police would have, would shot, have him. shot him yeah yeah i do tr- i he did not want to take responsibility for what he'd done and i think he knew that his way out was to, to kill himself so whether he did it or like you say got the police to do it yeah he were going to be dead regardless, I think. Obviously, the police still had to do an investigation. They looked into everything. They looked into all the notes that they found. Um, the fibres actually matched fibres from his apartment. Um, the things that Cara had observed and picked up and memorised from being in there, um, she could tell tell you what doctors he went to because she saw his prescriptions she knew that he must have a wife or at least living with a woman because 
there were long red hair. What a girl. Just, she knew loads and loads of um, information. Well done. So, basically, that's how that case ends. Obviously, Cara survived. Yeah. Absolutely amazing fucking 15-year-old girl to get away like she did. But potentially a lot of other of, 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 They've victims. got, yeah. From the notes, from going from what I've read, the notes that he had, you remember how I said he got Cara to sit down and write like things. Like an interviewer. Yeah. So the police are unsure if these notes are actually from victims that is already abducted yeah. and murdered but have just not been discovered yet. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's still, you know, they're still trying to look in because I can't imagine how difficult it must be when a serial killer work, works, that's awful, when they target so many different states. Yeah. Because it's so hard for police... From everything we watch, they don't communicate enough, do they? I, I, I think they do now, but they, they did didn't. They didn't, yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of missed cases never got solved. Yeah. Um, so I do think, this, from what I've read, this is still an ongoing... They're trying to connect any of these notes to any missing persons reports and things like that. So it could be potential that more... Come to light. Come to light... Um, but yeah, that that's how the police did say, without a shadow of a doubt, he were responsible for yeah. all three um, murders and the abduction of Cara. No, I've not heard that one. But it was really strange because I literally did come across it via someone had shared it from TikTok to Facebook. Yeah. So I watched it, but it, I think I watched like part two. I think it was part two or something. So obviously I was like, no, TikTok. I need to find this person. I need to read. Fucking TikTok. Well, it's, I know, it's annoying. How old are you? I'm not on there doing all these fucking dances, mate. Yeah, alright. Shut up. So, so, Jinx, we hope you've enjoyed episode 17. Please give us a like and follow on our social medias, terrifying and twisted, terrifying underscore twisted. On Insta. On Insta. Have a fabulous fortnight. Yeah, and we'll see you in two weeks. We will. Love you. Bye.